Welcome back to Let Them Do. It's been a while. Uh, we don't release these very often. No. <laughs> um, yeah, we took a break uh, for a bit because we were having some problems. People mentioned that our podcast wasn't showing up on Podcast Addict and, and some other podcast apps. Uh, and me being an Apple junkie didn't realize that this was a problem because <laughs> uh, it is on iTunes. But anyway, so we were trying to fix that. Uh, and we've basically just decided, instead of putting so much effort into, because um, eventually we we will release these on a much more professional platform uh, yes. when we're taking this a bit more seriously. Uh, but for now, we're just going to be lax about it, hence the one episode a month so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is we got busy. I know at least I got really busy with school <coughs> towards the end with exams in December. It was my last semester, and so I sort of threw everything else to the wayside. Not that I didn't have time but i just didn't use my time yeah so i was using a lot of my time recently for writing music with bryson so there you go things going on but anyways we're here now yes we are what do we have on the dock today <laughs> this is this is your little baby uh, I like to call it. that puts a lot of pressure on it <laughs> <laughs> um so I- expanding on the council that we were talking about last time uh i want to approach it in kind of a different perspective to explain um, the values of the council, the, the reason I think it will be effective, but also what it needs to be effective. Um, so I want to talk about the how an us and them mentality gets created in politics and in life in, in a lot of circumstances, and how we could potentially avoid creating that mentality uh, in our council. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so this entire idea was inspired by as many things uh ted talk that i listen to uh it's from sarah corbett i think that's how you say it uh called activism needs introverts and she was talking about how she would go around she she used to be a extroverted activist and she would go around music festivals or just on the street with a clipboard talking to people about issues and trying to get them to sign and she noticed that even though she she was getting success rate in terms of some people being interested in what she was saying, uh, she herself was really exhausted by the experience, and she could tell that some of the people she was talking to were exhausted of having to listen to her kind of preach these ideas at them. Um, So she went on a little bit of a quest to find out how she could avoid these negative consequences, and uh, crap. I didn't write down the name of her foundation, but she has uh, an organization now that goes around and they uh, advocate to companies that have a big stake in humane treatment of animals and environmental concerns and uh, problems like that. And they they work intimately with the company uh, over the course of a few weeks to kind of build relationships with the employees. um, And then they they after those relationships have been built, they start sharing their ideas about the, what changes they think are necessary for, for their company. And I haven't looked up any stats on this, but she said that they are really successful in getting people to agree with, with what they're trying to advocate for. And she says the success comes from being able to foster a relationship first. So when you are sharing ideas saying, Hey, this thing you're doing is bad for the environment they aren't just going to brush you off as a, a past 
uh, they're going to treat you like a human being and listen to what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Build rep first. Mm-hmm. Right. And so <clears throat> as far as just even that simple statement goes with this with the council, right, it would be to build rep first and then go to problem solving and discussing issues afterwards, right? Yeah. And have, I, I believe we used the word the last time we were talking about it, we used the word intimate. Yeah. Um, and having just that very closed and connected. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so go to go back to the windmill example that we were talking about, mm-hmm. um, the, the way that we were framing it, I think, uh, was a bit erroneous because we, uh, we discussed the fact that in this windmill situation, there would be a winner and a loser, a right and a wrong in terms of where you can place the windmill or whatever it is. Um, and we discuss, you know, who has to show up to this council to decide who's the winner. Um, and yeah, rethinking that now, I think it makes a lot more sense not to call anyone or trying not to make a loser out of that situation, trying to find the the solution that people can truly be happy on both sides with. Right. Uh, and I think that solution would be much easier to get to. Uh, as you said, once there's there's kind of a basis for communication first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what you said with with the us them mentality is really and and the way I kind of look at it is to try and take the competition out of politics. Mm-hmm. The way the way that most people I would say in Western society, at least that we experience, look at co- politics as a competition. It's always to see who's better. And you're right, there is a winner and a loser in the situation. One person won the election and five people lost or the debate or the question period or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and so i like that idea that that approach to it that it's not necessarily looking for a winner or loser if it's whether it's a windmill or whatever it is is it's just trying to find well make winners out of everybody Mm -hmm. because especially like if we're putting this in context we're all working together we're all in the same boat and so we don't really want my, I don't want my neighbor not liking me because they lost something that I won, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some thoughts on uh, kind of what leads to this mentality growing, um, but I'm wondering if, if you have any thoughts on that first. To which right. mentality growing in which uh, regard? Uh, like an us and them mentality being cultivated in Western society. No, yeah, go ahead, lead off. <clears throat> um, I, I, I think it all truly stems from creating the two sides in the first place um and i I think the reason the sides were created at all was because it it's a really convenient way to talk about things um say an issue like abortion you're either uh pro-life or pro-choice there's there's a clear division there um and when you frame it in that way it's really easy for people to say okay here's pros for this side here's cons for this side and kind of balance those two um but realistically that it doesn't have to be a binary decision when it comes to a topic such as that you can have a huge variety of opinions and beliefs about what's right and wrong when it comes to an issue like that and um it yeah, so it, it is really convenient to talk about things when they are framed uh, with two sides, but it, it takes away from a lot of the actual value of the issue at hand, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so same with just politics as a whole, uh, conservative or liberal, Republican, Democrat. Uh, it, it becomes much easier for 
the layperson who doesn't take a bunch of poli sci classes or whatever to understand which party they identify more with and and what issues they uh what side of issues they're on it, it becomes a lot easier for people to make those decisions if it is defined with the groups uh in the way that it is um but realistically politics doesn't have to be that way either it would just take a lot more work from everyone to kind of understand it if it was built in a more um where there isn't sides it's just kind of a collective holistic viewpoint on on certain things uh it would become a lot harder for people to develop their own opinions uh and and uh be a part of those issues as a society yeah i got you and i i like the point you bring up and one of the things back to the beginning um where it kind of originates in the creation of the just two camps um i I think this may be just a a cheap shot i'm taking but you can look at it just as the whole system is set up the way we have capitalism is just a competition right everything if you break it down if you want to you could probably shoehorn it into it's you versus everybody else and you're always trying to get ahead or be ahead or be the best or whatever it is right and so that is the prevailing mentality whether it's capitalism is very economically focused but whether it's like you mentioned abortion so ethical issues whatever it is there is a creation of usually a dichotomy or binary and as you you mentioned holistic i like because when you think of something in a in a binary not very often are you going to get two differing opinions that they counter each other in a lot of ways but i i'm certain that they're going to miss a lot of really good points that neither camp really takes a takes a stance on because it doesn't really fit in either of their camps and it's just kind of left there and but because everybody's so focused or so preset into one of two or maybe three options that they don't consider those other things or they're not even aware of them because it's just not in their in the realm of thought mm-hmm. whereas yeah with you bringing in this holistic idea that everybody just kind of has their own bringing in their own ideas you'll get a lot more viewpoints and a lot more nuanced opinions on things right? mm-hmm. and, and yeah i guess i just want to touch on um the fact that it is so established in our society now um i i wonder what could be done rather than just moving away from it as we're planning to do <laughs> but what could be done on a grander scale to kind of combat um this us and them mentality that that's uh, just growing more and more in my opinion because mm-hmm. um, as it stands it in the united states uh it, it's just like a pissing match between um uh, between the parties and, and there's never going to come a point if they stay on that trajectory where a republican can respect a democrat's opinion on anything yeah um for, for no reason other than they're supposed to not give mm-hmm. a crap right mm-hmm. um uh, yeah, and even even if the two people could see eye to eye on something, they that just immediately blocks them from being able to do so. Yeah, uh, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on. I I think it's part of it is just a, an overall pervasive of fear to to the fact that people are wrong, and nobody likes to be wrong. That's that's all right. There's there there is an inherent negative with being wrong the problem is that our mentality with what you do after you're wrong when you're wrong usually say you're wrong on a test you 
you get the answer wrong, you look, well, what could I have done to improve that? How, what did I do wrong to fix for next time? Uh, in politics, usually the answer, if you're seen as wrong, the, the response is to sling mud or just point out how they're wrong mm-hmm. in return and go eye for an eye as opposed to trying to fix your own problems. And that's why, especially with politics and the reason I don't ever follow the campaigns is because it isn't about what their platforms are. They're not really making good arguments for this is what I'm going to do. It's this is what that person has done wrong in the past. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you mentioned, a pissing match. And so I think it's it's the frame of mind where people are afraid to be wrong. And so as a Republican, I have my views and you're a Democrat and you have your views. And it's not that I don't think your views are valuable. It's that I'm afraid my values are wrong and I don't want to change. Mm-hmm. I think that is a big part of it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, and that, that plays a role even more than on the campaign, uh, you know, attacking your your opposition. Because obviously, when you're actually sitting uh, in in House of, I don't know what you can call the it. Congress in the yeah, States yeah. or the House of Commons. Yeah. Um, uh, you, it's not just, you know, slinging mud back and forth all the time there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still being able to admit that you're wrong plays a big role because something like healthcare. Um, uh, Obama tried to bring in something that was drastically different from from private health insurance, and um, once Republicans got back in, instead of saying, "Okay, are there other options we can explore? Is there something besides public or private that we can uh, work through?" They're just like, "No, we're going back to private, but we're going to do this to fix it." Um, and, and yeah, that comes from not being able to admit that maybe their original idea of private health insurance was a bad one (laughs) yeah and then even that like obama brought in obamacare and i don't really know anything about it because i just don't really care too much about the state's politics it's odd that we're talking so much about american politics yeah (laughs) but i do know for a fact that it wasn't the best system right but even for him to after after bringing it in for him to go you know that really wasn't great like i made a mistake there that's really not even something he can do because then everybody attacks him for that mm-hmm. and so as far as going back to the idea of the way politics is is established in the system that kind of holds itself up is is that you can't I- admit you're wrong even if you know you're wrong you just have to kind of like the following the party line mentality you just have to stick to your guns all the way through and ride it till it dies because the minute you err away from something, it's it's a weak point. It's a chink in your armor as far as your opposition is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, on on uh, not talking about Canadian politics, uh, that's actually one of something in Canadian politics is something that bothers me a lot too. Is the way that uh, it's framed to us in schools. It, um, it's just on a linear spectrum. And on one side, conservatives, and then on the other side, liberals, and then way to the other side, NDP. And just the way that's laid out so linearly, it's just like, oh, this party's just more liberal than liberals. But that's that's not true at all. Like, they have entirely different viewpoints, and it, it shouldn't be seen just on a line. Yeah, or that. at least not on a single line. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot out of it, I think. I, I agree there because, and this is completely unrelated, but I have a huge problem with spectrums yes. and how everything gets put on spectrums. Me too. We won't get into that. <laughs> but you do bring up a good point how there is, like you said, when you put something on that line, 
it creates a binary or a trinary where you have left wing and right wing and you can see oh NDP is more left than the other side than than the liberals and the conservatives are more right than whatever and blah 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 and they're compared they're being compared from two different ends mm -hmm. whereas with that holistic view you're missing 358 other degrees of lines that there could be that places or ideas mm -hmm. or, or things could fall on for like, sure and they immediately become opposites even though there could be many things that they agree on mm -hmm. uh anyways we're gonna stop ranting about government now um because this is a podcast about our society yes. so how are we going to cultivate a non us and them mentality i think the first thing is just to understand or to cultivate the idea of community and uh Without going too deep into it, I was reading an article that you sent me from Peter Kropotkin, and it just briefly mentions the idea of community, and he, he talks about a whole bunch of different stuff with wages and crap, so we won't go into that, but it just got me on the idea that you the us and them, it's, it's really easy to avoid if there's just us, mm -hmm. and f as far as this society or community goes instead of looking at Lethbridge, I'll use that as an example. There's the west side, the south side, and the north side. And everybody's, oh, you're a west side or whatever. It's like, no, we're all Lethbians. We all live in Lethbridge, right? Just by removing boundaries, intentionally removing boundaries or creating just an us, right? Mm -hmm. And so that would be a good place to start. Definitely. Uh, I think the other thing, uh, it's something we have yet to talk about, and we will eventually, but just what we're actually going to do in terms of if private property will be a thing. Um, I think in the case where, where it isn't, um, and other issues in terms of food sharing and stuff like that, um, the, the more collective those things become, the more us we have to be. Mm -hmm. uh, cause if we all eat from the same food pile, then there is no us and them. It's, it's just our food. Yeah. Um, and it's our property instead of his property. Uh, and I, I think instating some things like that would, would definitely help, even if they do get changed eventually, because we d determined that it would be more efficient for living. I think from the start, that would be a really beneficial thing to have to build up that sense of community, mm -hmm. as you said. Yeah. And then another thing, and this c comes back to the fear, um, is people have a tendency to focus on difference. And like, yeah, they just have a tendency to focus on difference. When I look at you and say I'm looking at somebody from another country, what is immediately, what do I go, what is different about you? Mm -hmm. Your your hair is different. The way you dress is different. You speak a different language. We don't immediately jump to what do we have in common. Mm -hmm. And I think that switch in mindset as well, that, yeah, of course, we're not all the same. We're different. Duh. But let's not worry about that because we know that. What are What do we have in common? We all want to be here. We all have goals in, in common, things like that. And yeah. I feel like if we just focus the emphasis, if you put the emphasis on certain things like the commonality, then you can at least foster, begin to foster that. And then, like we mentioned at the beginning, once you have that communal kind of bond that's set up, then it is more natural, right? Because when we get together as a group of friends, we have 10 years of background. We don't need to worry about introductions. We can just dive right into it and figure shit out. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about about focusing on the similarities that people have, but I'm curious because there is going to be differences, and um, and it's not like they. Some of them will be ignorable differences. They'll be inconsequential. 
Um, but I think there would be differences that do actually create that rift eventually. Mm. Uh, and I think we would need some, some pretty uh, effective strategy for tackling those kinds of issues as they arise. Um, for example, uh, in Lord of the Flies, they all end up on this island and right off the bat they, they do focus on their sim similarities um being that they're all scared children and they want to survive uh and th and that helps them rally um immediately and and they build some shelters and gather some food and stuff and it that all does come from the sense of community and um interdependence that they they have from the start and then rifts start coming in in terms of some people want to hunt more than they want to gather because they want some meat uh, and other people don't think that's a, a worthwhile venture. Um, so there's definitely going to be issues like that that arise in our community where there's straight up just something that some people would want to do and some people don't want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, the only answer I have for it so far uh, comes from the title, Let Them Do, where it's just, oh, you want to go hunt? Cool, go hunt. I'm going to continue gathering. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever it is um and I, I think that will really lend to making those differences those dichotomies not become an issue um but yeah that will be an interesting thing to see you, as it develops yeah you're right and and to an extent yeah that's, that's always gonna happen you're gonna have people that just they don't have any interest in whatever activity is going on and needs to be done and they would prefer something else and to an extent yeah let them do but then also to an extent, they need to look beyond individual interest and look at the whole, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where that community comes. It comes full circle back around to that community. You may personally want to go hunt, but we already have our freezers are literally full. So if you catch an animal, it's going to waste and we need your manpower or your energy elsewhere to benefit not only you, but everybody else. And I feel like part of it would be that at least the hope is that the mentality and the um, dispositions of, of the people in that situation would be enough that the compromises could be struck often enough that it wouldn't become a major issue. Every once in a while, people are going to get into fights. That happens. That's human nature. But um, I feel like there should be, or at least there will be, hopefully, an overall um, sense of community or, or um, responsibility and compromise that kind of prevails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. It is. It is really tough because it's easy to talk at a mic yeah. with good ideas, right? You have no idea. Not none of us. Neither of us have done this. I was just going to say, actually, um, I think that's basically all we can talk about uh, when it comes to this, because any more discussion uh, we could have about a decision-making committee or whatever, whatever it's going to be, um, needs to come when there's more than two of us, because it needs to be a holistic thing. Mm -hmm. um, so that said. Uh, next episode, we have we have a, n a new topic already that we're very excited about. Yippee. Um, so everyone look forward to that. And thanks for listening. Thank you very much.